Welcome to New Horizons podcast, Trailblazers. New Horizons is a national nonprofit that has served individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities since 1971. We believe that every person has a story to tell. This podcast will be a place for men and women from diverse backgrounds and with unique abilities to share their victories, challenges, and stories with the world. We hope you enjoy. In today's episode, I speak with Jennifer Apria. I appreciated hearing her honest perspective as a former special ed teacher and as a mother who has a son with multiple disabilities. Jennifer currently serves as the Director of Family Engagement for the Ark of Tennessee, and her passion for education and families shines through. I hope you enjoy. My name is Jennifer Apria, and I am a parent to two children. My daughter is typical, and my son was born at 25 weeks, so he was a micro preemie and spent a lot of time in the NICU and has multiple diagnoses that um, he's still working through and we're working with him on. And I work for the Ark of Tennessee as the Director of Family Engagement and Special Education. And I'm a former public school teacher with a specialization in special ed, um, but I did teach in the general ed classroom in K through six. Um, and I live in Arrington, Tennessee. And I don't know what else. What else did I include there? No, <laughs> that's, a long that's intro. A, no, that's a, that's a great start. Lots of ground to cover. But first of all, um, what what are your your son and daughter's names? My daughter's name is Danielle, and my son is Ryan. Danielle is older. She is nine, and my son Ryan is eight right now. So they were a year and a half apart. They were supposed to be closer to two years apart in age, but he came very early, three and a half months prematurely, so they're more like a year and a half apart. Um, So this is the part of the year where they're only like one year apart in age because they're so close together. I have three younger siblings, and we're all kind of right in that year and a half, two year mm-hmm. window. So it's it's fun growing mm-hmm. up with siblings that that close of age. But mm-hmm. um, so you all live in Arrington. Did you grow up mm-hmm. in Tennessee? No, actually, I was born and raised in California, okay. and we moved here about four years ago. Actually, four and a half years ago now, um, and primarily we moved here for the schools <laughs> because which is why I've got such a great focus on special education because the schools, I live in Williamson County and their, mm-hmm. their program here is really great for kids with special needs. So, um, but that was what brought us to Tennessee and um, it's been great so far. We really, really love it here. Awesome. Did y'all know many people or have any family in this direction or was it kind of uncharted territory? No, it was, it was very uncharted. We, when my kids were starting school, we thought it might make sense for us to move. Um, we had started a business that was portable, basically. Um, and so we were teaching, and then I retired from teaching because when my son was born prematurely, he spent a lot of time in the hospital and had a lot of follow-up appointments and therapies and different things. And so I quit teaching, and we started the business. And the business kind of took off, and we thought, if we go to a state where, you know, the cost of living is a little bit easier than California, and um, we can move our business there and get good schooling there, public schools will be good, then um, then we could probably afford not to have my husband continue teaching as well. And, and so that's what we did. We just picked up and moved. <laughs> awesome. I, I grew up in Chattanooga, so I've been born and raised in, in Tennessee, and I don't know why anyone would want to live anywhere else, but... yeah. Um, <laughs> What was y'all's business that you were able to pick up and move and that took off? Yeah, so it's kind of 
bizarre. We invented a shield for spraying off cloth diapers before you wash them. So my daughter was using cloth diapers and we had a diaper sprayer and it was just really messy. And so we invented the shield and someone was like, you really should patent that because I would like to buy one. And so we got a patent and we put it up on our website and Amazon. And now we have like a couple hundred retailers across the world that carry it. Well, and it just kind of took off. So yeah. So y'all are still Never running expected. this. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's our business. Um, and then when my kids started school full time, I kind of felt this itch to get back to doing some of this work with schools that I was doing. I couldn't go back to teaching full time just because the, the schedule didn't work well with my kids' schedules. But um, that's how I got in with the ARC because they had this position open to work with the Department of Ed and work directly in special education, which is where my heart lies now that my son is involved with that. Um and so it was like the perfect opportunity to kind of get back into that world of education without having to go full time back into a classroom, even though I do miss it a ton. I really wish I could go back to the classroom. It just doesn't work. But now my husband does the business, the spray pal business full time, and I work with the ARC. Awesome. So you all like staying busy then? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So however much you're, you're comfortable sharing, um, do you want to talk a little bit about when, when you found out that, that Ryan had some of these disabilities and just that experience for, for y'all? And obviously moving to Tennessee, I'm sure it was a bit of a perspective change or um, a realignment a little bit. Yeah. Um, so we basically kind of had an idea. I guess you don't really have a real clear idea of what will come of having a premature baby, but the doctors were kind of warning us very early on that there could be some intellectual developmental disabilities that come along with this. Mm -hmm. As he grows, we're not sure what will happen. And then when he was first getting released from the NICU, after seven months in the NICU, um, he was coming home on oxygen with a feeding tube. So like those things we knew we were going to be working through for a while. Um, He failed his hearing test. So we got him further testing and discovered he was profoundly deaf in both ears. Um, so that was another disability we were working. You know, he has cochlear implants now and he's, we're trying to teach him sign language, but he's also visually impaired because he had multiple eye surgeries while he was in the NICU. So um, he's kind of got just this complex mirage of, you know, myriad, what's the word I'm looking for? Myriad of issues, mm-hmm. <laughs> things that he's he's got that, you know, we just take them one at a time and it's been a learn as we go process for sure and definitely a roller coaster. Um, but I would say for parents in the NICU, I, I've always been an open book to any time a friend of mine has a friend who has a premature baby or they have some time in the NICU for whatever reason, they always connect us and say, you got to talk to my friend, Jen, she's been through this. And so I'm totally happy to talk to anybody about it. And because I know I, I felt like I was in this island of isolation, just not knowing what was going on or what to expect or what the right thing was to do at the time. And hindsight's always twenty twenty, so I can offer my advice based on our experience, but everyone else's experience is going to be so different. And mm-hmm. so, but yeah, I'm very comfortable talking about it. And I know, I know my son could, would be proud of me for doing that because I know some parents are like, well, should you be sharing so much about your son? But I, I do feel like he, enjoys being this topic of hope for other families who are going through it. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. Well, thank, I, I completely agree with, with you and, and Ryan, and thank you for sharing. So the school has played a large part in y'all moving to Williamson County and to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So what about the schools specifically, and if you won't, don't mind sharing which schools Ryan and Danielle attend, um, really attracted y'all to, to make the move? Yeah, um, and honestly, any school in Williamson County was fine with us. We just wanted to be in this county, and that was because they really did make a early push for inclusion and full inclusion for students mm-hmm. with disabilities into the classrooms. And they have a really great um, early childhood program. And so we moved here when my son was three and my daughter was five. And so she had turned five after the cutoff date for starting kindergarten. So she was going to turn uh, start kinder the next year. So when we moved here, it was perfect timing for my son to enter the, e- the EC program, which is the early childhood program. And they, the great thing about it is that they also include um, typical peers to go in the class with them. So I was able to have both kids in the same classroom. So my daughter was in there as, a, as one of the peers, and my son was in there to get his needs met with all the things that were on his IEP at the time. So it's just such a great program because it just offers so much for all the kids that go to that. and it's a really great way for those those students to get that structure and that classroom experience before they're kind of put into kindergarten where it's a little bit more um, mm-hmm. stimulation and it's kind of a more of a rigid, structured classroom environment. So we were really excited about that. Awesome. So you're running for the Williamson County School Board. What have you seen work well and what through your experience both in the school and as a, as a parent would you like to see improved? Right. Well, it's it's interesting times right about now where uh, mm-hmm. any other year I probably would have had a whole list of things that I would have addressed. Um, but I will say that my biggest platform wouldn't be making many changes into special education because mm-hmm. um, I think they're doing it a, a decent job. I do think that it would be nice to have a parent on the board who is a part of that community and really understands what it's like to have a child with special needs so that they can just kind of add that voice and be a voice for other families like that Absolutely. on the board. Um, so that's one of the reasons I'm running. But also my daughter is te- technically, she has an IEP. She is considered um, receiving special education services because she's tested as gifted. So I kind of have both ends of the spectrum there, but I would represent all families just because I feel like not even just within the right or within the realm of special education that all families really should know what's going on in schools and where the funding is coming from and what what issues there are what we we need to work through together and they should have a voice in that and so i'm very open and and i like to communicate with other families and see what their thoughts are and then i would bring that to the board so um that's basically why i'm running i've just always had a passion for public schools and i always feel like there is room for improvement so um that's that's what I hope to bring if elected. Great. Awesome. I, I definitely think that a parent's perspective, if, if missing or even a greater one, is, is would certainly be a huge, a huge asset as well. And so mm-hmm. the way that we were initially introduced was, was through a couple of your colleagues at the ARC as well. So do you want to speak to a little bit of your, your role at the ARC and how you first joined them? Sure. Yeah. So like I mentioned, I, I joined because I was really missing being a part of education. Um, 
as a teacher, it's really in my heart to just work with students, work with families, and to do what's best for them. Um, and since I can't really be in the classroom because of my schedule, this was just one way I felt like I could really get involved. And so my role is I'm the Director of Family Engagement and Special Education. And this was basically a five-year contract given to the ARC of Tennessee from the Tennessee Department of Education. And they're focused on improving the quality and quantity of family engagement in special education. And so they hired me to kind of put out trainings for educators on how to better engage families. Um, I would travel across the state and work with districts and, and teach educators basically on the kind of give them the family perspective, which is nice because I have the perspective of a teacher having been in the classroom for 12 years, but I also have the perspective of a family or a parent who um, has a child that's receiving those services. And so I'm able to kind of help educators see how they may not have seen it previously, like give them a little bit of that perspective from a parent side of things in a way that I know that they'll relate to because I know what it's like to be in the classroom too and be on that side of the table. So um, I also take any guidance that's put out by the Department of Ed and put out to basically special ed directors and teachers and educators. It's all in that teacher lingo. And so I can take those documents and those guidances and translate them basically into more family friendly language so that I know that the families can get those resources and know what their rights are in those, those certain topics. So like right now with the whole COVID-19 thing going on, there's tons of guidance, which is all often changing. It's just evolving at a rapid pace. Mm -hmm. So I, every morning, check the website, the Department of Ed website, or put it out on social media in more family-friendly language so that the parents know, what does this mean for my child in special education? So one of the, the hopes for this podcast is that maybe people who don't know how they could get involved in the disability community or special education or the ARC, that they there are more concrete opportunities provided for them. So kind of putting you on the spot, but either in Special education in, in Williamson, Davidson County, or at the ARC, are there ways you'd like to see more volunteers or just more involvement? Uh, yeah, actually, of course, there's any time anyone wants to put their energy into something like this, that we would always take that, take that energy and use it for good. Um, so with the ARC, there are local chapters across the state. So there, if, if families want to get involved locally, you can definitely reach out and see, just look on our website. If you go to the arctn.org, there's a tab that says local chapters and you just click on that and you can see who is closest to you and you can get involved volunteering there. Um, we have the family engagement Facebook page. I feel like if parents wanted to help out, you know, the local level, the best way to, is to start with their local chapters. But with, with our ARC Tennessee state chapter, we do a lot of policy advocacy. So if you just follow the, the Facebook pages and if there's ever an issue, like recently we were very concerned about um, the U.S. Department of Education potentially asking Congress for waivers to IDEA law. And we really didn't want that to happen because there was already flexibility put in place for the coronavirus and for extending out evaluation deadlines and different things so that, you know, Teachers didn't have to stop teaching. They could offer what they could to who they could, and there would be com compensatory services, things like that. All of it was was flexible, and we understood it was a, a state of emergency, and so we didn't want them to put in any waivers for IDEA that would really affect or push back 
the guidance and the laws that we currently have so that we don't have to fight to get those back again. Um, and so there was a lot of letter writing going on and calling of our congressmen and senators to, to just make sure that that wasn't something that got pushed through. And so we that was great that the U.S. Department of Ed did not ask for any waivers to IDEA law. So we were that was kind of like a victory for for disability rights advocates across the country, honestly. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of different ways to get involved, but starting just, you know, on social media, on our website, reach out and we can tap you into where the best place would be. Great. And, I, and I'm sure you need some campaign volunteers as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if anyone lives in Williamson County and would like to help with my school board campaign, absolutely. <laughs> One of my first jobs once I graduated college was working on a campaign. So I know all about putting up uh, signs and, and stuff yeah. and mailers and all those fun campaign yeah. activities. Yeah, and I'm learning because I am not a politician by any means. I'm just like, I have a passion for public schools and I'm a parent who likes to mm. kind of talk about these issues. So uh, this is a whole learning experience for me. One final question, because I know you've got a lot to do and you've already given us a lot of time, but what's one thing that you wish you had known or, or maybe have been told when you first found out that Ryan might be facing some of these disabilities moving forward and what's yeah. some advice you might give parents facing a similar situation? Right. So it's so hard because everyone's situation is so different. And I try to think back to like, what would I have done differently? And honestly, I I feel like the best advice I can give is to just, you know, stick to your guns, follow your gut, you know, ask questions. If some, if a doctor or a teacher or a school site says, no, this can't be done this way, you know, know what your rights are, know what your child's rights are, and just make sure that that's accurate and, and get a second opinion, you know, like, it it always makes sense to just pursue all options to see what will truly work best for your child. And um, I would encourage any parent to do that because I, there are certain situations I can look back on now and say, well, if I had just done this, then like I just needed one extra step of pursuing and I hadn't, and I don't want to have regrets. So, um, but just trust your gut and it is a journey and it does get easier, but it doesn't always get easier. It gets different, but you know, you adapt and <laughs> just keep rolling with mm -hmm. it. So be flexible. That's that's great advice. And Jennifer, we appreciate you joining us today and for all your work at the, the ARC and with the, the school board and, and just being an advocate both for, for Ryan and, and other children and just the disability community in general. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Excited absolutely. to get the well, word out. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, hopefully we will do the, the second podcast after you've been elected and we can do it in person once this, there you is, go. Once this is passed. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jennifer. If you would like to learn more about her work with the ARC, her campaign for school board, or of course, New Horizons, please visit our website or email us at podcast at newhorizonsls.org. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode.